Hello and welcome back to Practicing English. And today I'm going to be talking about obligation. This is a B1 session and we're going to be looking at those words we use to talk about obligation and also ways to soften the obligation or make orders or things that we want people to do less direct. Okay, so here we go. Hello and welcome to Practicing English. My name is Mike Bilber and these are podcasts for students of English at B1 or B2 levels or for those students who just want to improve their general English. For transcripts of these podcasts, please go to practicingenglish.com. The words that we use to express obligation are must, have to, and then similar words, not necessarily obligation, but strong advice, should and ought to. So let's have a look at those separately. First of all, must. Now, must is often overused by students of English. It's an easy word to use, isn't it? If you want somebody to do something or just to tell them that it's a rule, something that they must do. Now, the problem is with must, it really sounds like the person who is telling you is the one who is giving the order. So if you are a student, for example, and you say to another student, you must do this homework tonight, it sounds like you are giving the order. In fact, it's not you, it's the teacher. So must ought to be perhaps softened if there is somebody else giving the order. And I'll come back to that in a moment. But the other use of must is really to give an order to ourselves, if you like. We often use must when we're talking about us, when we use the first person singular or first person plural. So, for example, I might say, I must telephone my mother tonight. I suppose I'm giving myself an order, but what it really is, is that I feel morally obliged that I should do that. It's something that I should do because uh, my mother is alone and she needs someone to call her and cheer her up. So I must call my mother tonight. Now let's come back then to the problem of using must when you say you must do your homework. If the rule has been given by somebody else, for example, a teacher, or it might be a regulation. For example, if you're in a park, there may be a sign which says, please do not walk on the grass. So really, that's a rule by somebody else by the people who own the park, for example. So if you tell somebody about that rule, about walking on the grass, you should use have to. You have to walk on the pavement. 
not on the grass. There's another good example of that as well that I always remember when I went with a friend of mine to the UK and we hired a car and he wanted to drive. So I got into the passenger seat and we drove off and the first thing he did was to drive on the right-hand side of the road. Now, in England, as you know, we drive on the left. So I said to him, you have to drive on the left, not on the right. I wouldn't say you must drive on the left, because it sounds like I'm giving the order. So you have to drive on the left sounds, well, this is the law of the land. This is the rules, the regulations when driving in the UK that you drive on the left-hand side. If you don't, you could have a serious accident. But interestingly, let's look at the negative. So if we're in the park again, and somebody wants to walk on the grass, I could say, you mustn't walk on the grass. Because the negative of have to is mustn't. And the same thing as well, in the car, I could say to my friend as he started driving on the right-hand side of the road, hey, you mustn't drive on the right, you have to drive on the left. So we don't have that alternative third-person rule when we're talking about the negative of must. That could be a problem, I suppose. And I'll come back to that in a moment as well, because I feel that I ought to talk, first of all, about, well, what is the negative of have to? Well, don't have to. But of course, don't have to, or doesn't have to, has a completely different meaning. For example, do you have to wear a tie at work? Well, if you don't, if it's not necessary, you don't need to, well, then we say, I don't have to wear a tie at work. Um, my daughter doesn't have to wear a uniform for school. But if I wanted to wear a tie at work, I suppose I could do. But I don't have to. It's not necessary. It's not a rule. So let's come back to this mustn't thing then. Because if I say you mustn't drive on the right, well, it could sound a little too direct. We can soften things or to show that it's not me giving you the order. It's an order coming from, well, somewhere else, a regulation. So I could say to my friend sitting in the car, driving along the road on the right-hand side in the UK, I could say, hey, you're not allowed to drive on the right. Or you're not meant to drive on the right. So it's not me who's saying it, it's the law of the land. We could even be more gentle. We could say, oh, well, let me think of another example. I think driving on the right-hand side in the UK is absolutely stupid. And really, I don't want to be too gentle about it because it's very important. I want to give an order before we hit a car coming in the opposite direction. Let's say something, for example, somebody um, who wants to go out in the cold and they're not wearing a coat. 
well, maybe I don't know the person very well, or he or she is a very sensitive person. So I might say, for example, don't you think it's a better idea if you take your coat? Don't you think it's a better idea if you take your coat? Or wouldn't it be a good idea to take your coat? Wouldn't it be a good idea? So these are very gentle ways of making suggestions which don't sound too much like an order. There is another way of talking about things we want somebody to do, but we can put it in the form of advice. And that is using should or shouldn't or ought to or ought not to. So, for example, usually in most cities, it's a good idea to lock the door before you leave your house. So you should lock your door, because if not, somebody might go in when you're not there. So you should lock the door before you leave. Or if you're walking along in the countryside and there's a dog which looks a little bit aggressive, you might say to the person you're with, oh, you, you shouldn't go up to that dog. It looks dangerous. You shouldn't go up to that dog. It looks dangerous. And I could say as well, you, you ought not to, really. You ought not to go up to that dog. And the meaning is more or less the same. Those are the main words and expressions we use to talk about obligation. I'm now going to read you a story. And this story has a lot of examples of these words and phrases. And your task is to get yourself a pen and a piece of paper and write down just the examples that you hear, the ones that I've mentioned, write them down. And then you can check your answers if you go over to practicingenglish.com and that's podcast 87. And you can check your answers because they're highlighted in the text on the audio script. I'll just explain a couple of words before I start the story. A kennel, K-E-N-N-E-L, is a little wooden house kept in the garden for a dog to sleep in, a kennel. And to bark is the sound that dogs make when they're happy or angry. Woof, woof! And there's an expression, which is not a B1 expression in this story, and it's to go to the dogs. To go to the dogs. And that means, well, it's an idiomatic expression, which means to get in a very bad state, to get in a bad way, when things go very, very badly. To go to the dogs. Okay, so let's get on with the story. Jane Barker loved dogs. She lived alone in a huge house in the country. Well, alone. It's true that she didn't live with any other humans, but she had more than a dozen dogs. She rescued dogs from the town. People sometimes buy a dog for Christmas and then decide 
they don't want them anymore, then they leave them in a park or by the side of the road. A dog is for life, Jane told people. You mustn't get rid of them. You should keep them all their lives. They would never leave you by the side of the road. So Jane looked after these dogs at home. All the dogs lived inside the house. Some lived in the living room, some slept in the kitchen, some in the bathroom. There were dogs everywhere in the house. When Jane's friends came round to visit her, they were shocked by the mess in the house and the bad smell. Jane, they said, don't you think it's a better idea if the dogs live outside? Wouldn't it be a good idea if they lived in a kennel? Dogs don't have to live in your house. But Jane didn't agree. How could you say such a cruel thing? she answered. Would you like it if you had to live in a garden? Of course you wouldn't. So why does a dog have to live outside? Well, if it was just one or two dogs, her friends said, they could live inside. But you've got nearly twenty. I don't agree at all, answered Jane. Dogs are human beings too. Didn't you know? We have to be good to them. As time passed, Jane's friends visited her less. Jane spent her days looking after, feeding, walking and playing with her dogs. She found more dogs in the town, or people brought dogs they didn't want anymore, and gave them to Jane. Soon Jane had over a hundred dogs living in her home. The house was now quite disgusting. There was an awful smell everywhere. The carpets were dirty, the curtains were torn, and the furniture was broken. Twice a week, Jane had to go shopping to buy food for herself and her dogs. People looked at her and shook their heads. What has happened to that woman? they said. She doesn't have to live with all those dogs in the house. She should keep them outside. Every day she looks more like a dog. She smells like a dog. She even barks sometimes. She goes, woof, woof. Jane heard these comments from the people in her town and began to worry. Was her behaviour changing? Was she changing into a dog? I mustn't let myself go to the dogs. I must look after myself. She made up her mind to go and see the doctor. The next day, Jane went to see her local doctor. Please, Miss Barker, said the doctor. What seems to be the problem? Well, answered Jane, it's this. People think I act like a dog. Am I changing into one? What should I do? That's silly, Miss Barker, said the doctor. You shouldn't worry about that. 
Come and sit on this sofa and we'll talk about it. Oh, doctor, said Jane nervously. I mustn't sit on the sofa. I'm not allowed to. Mm-hmm.